Welcome to Lordump. Oh wow. Well, we we make a world before your tiny little ears. Or maybe they're big, but you know what? They look good on you. We also make it for people with normal sized ears as well. Well, everyone's got normal sized ears, Josh. There's no big or small ears. They're perfect for you just the way they are. Oh my god, that was beautiful. Yeah. That was so sweet. I read that out of a Dove's chocolate one time. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day to me. I've got small ears. (laughs) We are off to another rip-roaring good start here. This is season two. We're coming in hot and heavy every episode. We're coming in with the laughs, the goofs, the good lore, the bad lore. (laughs) Season two, episode two, baby. Yeah. 22. 22. Give me a beer. Oh, so exciting. Oh Hell my yeah. gosh, and we have more great stuff for you guys. Uh just ready to go. Uh so so Sean Sean, what do you what do you yeah. think we're doing today? What do I think we're doing? Sorry, oh. I just got lost thinking about how our seasons after this one aren't gonna be able to be like episode two of season two, episode twenty two. It's gonna get real bad because it's gonna be it's just for these next 10 episodes where it all makes perfect sense. Episode 2. Oh, because we do 20 episodes a season. Yeah, yeah that's going to be really confusing. Yeah, it's going to suck. Anyways, uh, what are we doing today? We're, um, well, uh, let's... You know, I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of humans. I'm a man... Of, I'm a human myself. Josh, are you, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no reason. I think there was a reason. Anyways, I'm a people person, person, people who's a person, and I like humans because okay. I'm a human. I a only human. play human fighters. That's my favorite class, my favorite thing to do. So, if you could tell me a little bit more about this world's humans, I would just be dang happy about that. I'd be peach keen. So, that's what we're doing today. We're doing humans, Josh. I forced you to do it. Now tell me all about them. Okay. Before I get irate. We have some lore established about the humans. It's a little bit. There's not a lot. We know they came along later, well after the dwarves and the elves. Um, Mm -hmm. We know they must have been created by the architect uh, as a part of this balancing factor that are the mortals placed upon Toreg. Jays. We know that they originate from the Azure Isles. Um, which is located somewhere off the continent that the Pillars is located on and the Dwarven Society is on. Yes. Um, other than that, we Did know we see they, they originated from there. We certainly. I think we said that's where there. Alexander Hamilton's brother Xander Hamilton was from. Xander Hamilton. We never said that's where all humans were from, so we can still that's still up in the air. But that's up in the air. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, where would you like them to come from? The Azure Isles is my favorite place for them to come from. <laughs> Just walk out of the sea like little crab people and evolve for hundreds of years. <laughs> oh, I can taste your fury. <laughs> I'm just outraged. I'm just giving up. I was there the whole time. You're you're Um, in a particular mood this week. (laughs) I think it's great if they come from there. I think it's also great if they just sort of showed up everywhere. Okay. I don't think they have like an origin point per se. They might have a few origin points. Okay. 
What does that look like? Um, different parts of the world. And how how were they just <laughs> just dropped there by the architect? I see. Here's here's what I picture for the reason humans are even on this planet. Sure, is that the architect made so many different kinds of creatures and like living things to control the balance of this energy yeah. that he said these are all too hard to manage i need filler to just sort of fill in the gaps short-lived fodder <laughs> short-lived easier to sort of flux in and out of living sure. throw a plague in here and there literally yes something i can just wipe out if i need to or like build it back up because yeah, you can... like the middle of the road war slash death can deal with that like yeah the whole thing and if I need, you know, 40,000 more of them, I'll just have them all have sex every five minutes because they're degenerates. <laughs> These ones are degenerates. <laughs> okay, so they're, they are, that definitely makes sense. Like, they're and I the think filler we've kind of, race. We've touched upon a little bit on them. They're the, like, which is also fairly canon to, like, D&D lore. They're like, they don't die that quickly, but they die pretty easy when you need them to. Yeah. And they also procreate. It also statistically a lot. makes sense, which is why they're so blood. <laughs> And they they spread like wildfire once you yeah, got them on there. They're so varied. They're they very versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good know, way they can to say move it. Almost anywhere. Um, okay. They're adaptable. It's so where they just dropped. I like to think that the god the architect had learned at this point like the elves had too much context, so they were dropped with zero percent context as to why they're there or what they're there for. They yeah. just yeeted some small communities of humans, like in loincloths, under the planet. Yeah, and Kate, the elves uh, and the dwarves were like, "Oh, what the sh? Well, these don't belong here." And they like the ones yeah. that were in like the elven and dwarven continents were like quickly pushed off, and the humans began to develop external to that again in like the Azur Isles and like these hinterlands building yes. up their own societies and when they re-returned to the world stage they had an established civilization culture military styles like several different very different and varied ones because yes. they were pushed out in all kinds of different directions to the fringes of the world yes i agree with that okay i think that i like that for how so they landed everywhere but the more established races very quickly were like uh-uh and through warfare, yeah. conflict. It's been quickly... like, what, a few hours? How are you already 40 years old? <laughs> yeah, what is this? <laughs> Get out of here. They very quickly chased the humans off to hinterlands. Yeah. Where they established. So they grew up in some of the like roughest parts of the world that are difficult to make mm-hmm. kind of a home from. Yeah. It also drastically fucked with the elves' sense of time. Because they watched these full people grow in like, what was a month to them? <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, oh, shit. The fuck are you? What do you like, plant people? So one of these locations the humans were driven to was the Azur Isles. Yes. Okay. The little sandals resort in the middle of the ocean. So are we are we sticking with the, can, the canon that the Azur Isles was fairly tropical? Uh, it makes sense that a hurricane came there. Yeah. So these humans, this this faction of humans, grew up in fairly um, tropical climates, though with a fair amount of interaction with the dwarves. Oh yeah, yeah, especially after Xander Hammerton uh, made his famous voyage. What were the fringes of these other 
populations of humans? Where where else were they pushed? What other land masses do we have? Well, we have the whole elven landmass, which is this long stretch north okay. south. Okay, okay. Well, let's let's go with some uh, pre existing uh, conditions on this planet. We've got the orcs, the nomad orcs. I think some of them were pushed off to the orcs, and they sort of grouped up and became like a half orc community so over time i love that yeah i love i love the idea of the orcs you're gonna laugh at me i probably will but like i'm thinking (laughs) like, like a northern island chain that's very cold and frigid and the orcs were kind of established there as very this is very viking lorry um, so we're yeah. talking like the orcs are very much like very competent seafarers. Um, they're good at <sighs> dealing with cold climates. Like they were raiders to some extent. Um, yeah. And that's how the elves know them. Like they don't, they didn't necessarily settle down a ton. Uh, yes. They would take what they needed from ships. And they were some of the first to develop very powerful, globally spanning um you mean the orcs were the orcs before were, the humans yeah. got there before the yeah humans i think got that's there. how we described them originally because yeah. we threw them in at the end of one of the episodes yeah it's kind i was of like a... uh, also there were orcs there and they kind of like were on ships and stuff i don't yeah. know so we make them kind of nomadic raiders via ships yes. and I a like faction that. of humans joined in with them when they were pushed away from the high elves like you were saying mm-hmm. uh and they've created this culture where like the orcs and the humans coexist completely peacefully with each other and there are a lot of half orcs and like there's literally like humans half orcs and orcs that's yeah. all that they have in their and tribe they've always been like, like for a thousand years or whatever they've been like this and they've developed yeah. their society based on that and they have their own land holdings and things like that but it's very they're from a very cold hard place yes um very... and the elves despise them and villainize them constantly um oh yeah they're like yeah Oh, Why don't you go down there and hang out with those other creatures? I love that. I love that so much. God, elves are so racist. I hate them so much. Yeah, they're really racist in the world. Yeah. <laughs> they're fucking the they're the worst people. So how do we explain half elves then? I think that not all elves are evil. And I think mm, that But they are though. <laughs> okay. I think that No, they they're not all evil. You know, like I think that there were factions of elves that like took the took pity essentially on these poor you know crazy little now we've humans. done a thing i'm remembering our lore back i'm remembering our elf episodes and i'm remembering the different cities we made mm-hmm. we made like basically three... one of them yeah. one of them was high elves then there were wood elves strow um so there were three cities of high elves three different nations of high elves each with like Jesus, a capital city and then there were the drow and the wood elves as well. Yes. So would a prime majority of the half elves be wood and drow half? I think that makes the most sense. When they weren't pushed out to the fringes, yeah. the high elves pushed them into the wood elf and even into the underdark populations. Yeah. Where the, they ooh, came. Ooh, inter- I love the idea of underdark humans. Yeah. So there's, similarly to the orcs, all of these half races... Undermen. It's because the... I hate using this word, but the pure races pushed the humans out. He used air quotes for yeah. the people listening. I, I used air quotes, but these the pure races, blah, 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 whatever, gross. Air quotes. Pushed the... Thank you. 
the humans into the fringes and there were already populations in the fringes which is where a lot of these half yes half races is where the from. mixes come from. so half drow half wood elf like there's huge human populations among the wood elves the drow and the orcs they pushed them into a volcano we got genasi they pushed them into the water we got genasi they threw <laughs> some of them into the sky we have genasi <laughs> they buried some of them we have genasi <laughs> Just like a no. planted them. They planted no. humans and they got... That's a different thing. They don't need to be... In Jin there. and all that jazz. Yeah, um, they travel around. Yeah. Very different. Fucking everything they say. <sighs> God, those genies, huh? They're the Once you get a few just... wishes under your belt. Like I... Start just making kids. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So we've got our humans pushed in all these different directions. Yes. Um, I don't think the tieflings did that though on their continent. No, no, not really. They were like, "Yeah, sure, you can hang out here," or like, "There's some land across the desert if you want." And so there are like human populations that are a little more old, a little more. They've had they weren't immediately pushed out, so they had a chance to establish settlements there on that continent of their own accord yes um earlier than more contemporary humans so they have more ancient human civilizations are on that continent with the tieflings um and then you know humans being as prolific as they are once they were pushed out to the fringes they began to work their way back in which is how you have not so much on the high elf continent but on the dwarven continent there are massive populations of humans because they left the azure isles and came back Yes, but I love the idea that it's never just human settlements. Yeah, it's always very... Yeah, they're always mixed in with other people, but there's never like, this is a human kingdom. The humans are the most displaced of all of the races. I love that, because usually it's just, these are all human societies that other people join. Yeah, this is very much like, nah, this is a dwarf. The humans picked up some stuff and and made it a bit of their own. I love the idea of the humans being like, you got here last sit down (laughs) you can uh you can line up uh that's beautiful also they made the calendar they did based off of the dwarves uh, Mm -hmm. the thadian calendar was created yeah but that makes perfect sense that fits with this lore of course excellently we made it that's true it's airtight Okay, I love this. What are some other... Um, I th- Again, I think with humans being versatile, there are chieftain chips, there are democracies, there are kingships, there are all kinds of different political leanings to the humans. They see what the elves do in one place and they're like, sure, empires sound neat. They see what the dwarves do and they're like, okay, accounting, sure, why not? They see what the tieflings do and they're like, democracy, neat. They see what the orcs do and they're like, okay, yeah, kind of a spiritual leadership sort of thing. Yeah. They're, they just they just adopt those political structures. Again, it is all about... Um, yeah. And if there are any like pure human uh settlements or anything like that it was always after they adopted the land left behind by another ruler yeah yeah like there was a you know uh wood elf king here or something and then he passed on and left it to a human yeah and from then on like their half a child lineage yeah Yeah. it continued onwards yeah minus again child 
well half elf child sorry not halfling they're halfling child's like whoa someone cheated on someone i don't know what's going on there's a whole juicy story there (laughs) a gnome and a human make a halfling barring i do still like the idea of like there is like a very established ancient human self-built civilization somewhere on the tiefling continent but that's fair there's a lot of exceptions and this is an appropriation this isn't about cultural appropriation with the humans it's about it's it's more of humans are a globalizing factor the reason that a lot of these races interact with each other period because humans you can't keep them in one place they keep yeah (laughs) they want to roam dude they just go over the place yeah i also love the idea that a lot of societies find out about each other through humans just coming to town like oh yeah they're always over there and that place is really cool you should go check it out yeah yeah they're like venetian explorers or something yeah (laughs) and a lot of merchant very mercantile very merchanty yeah they love trading sailing shipping Um, i can't get enough i love consumerism i love this idea the humans were all pushed out to the fringes the group that were pushed out to the orcs uh kept sailing the world and they came in contact with the other human groups and the other human groups picked up sailing techniques from the orcs like this is the orcs this is one of their greatest achievements was they are master sailors they are just they know astral navigation they understand the tides they've mapped the seas they are brilliant sailors and the humans use those things and that inherent connection because of the way the orcs embrace the the humans of their their region to develop their own sailing techniques to master the seas and become mer- great merchants in and of themselves. The orcs prefer to raid a little bit and pillage and do their thing. They still trade mm-hmm. as well. Or some exploring. Yeah, a little explore. A lot Mostly of exploring. The yeah. Fighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh the humans are like, yeah, oh my god, this is amazing. Thank you, cousins. Like this is Yeah. And oh man, like, you can get stuff around the world so much easier if you just use a boat. They essentially Fuck took it. commerce from the dwarves and sailing from the orcs and we're like let's try yeah and they took sailing and fighting and commerce and they mixed it into piracy yeah (laughs) god that's really cool humans are actually genuinely very neat here without changing in any way shape or form yeah it still makes perfect sense for variant humans like all of that aligns very well yeah god i still hate i love i love the idea of there being like um very inuit style populations too like looking at existing cultures on our planet and implementing them in Torig, like the humans again that were pushed out to the arctic or landed in the arctic or whatever the hell happened to them yeah like those populations exist isolated doing their own thing and we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about the poles on this planet i don't know if they exist but you know the poles it would be the two rounded edges of the A. The uh, the ice caps, yeah. The top and the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. It'd be interesting to think about. That's probably another. <laughs> it's another episode. That's another episode. Because the physics of our world doesn't work the way that the physics of... No. The, ...of Earth works. So I'm digressing. I'm going to refocus this here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some ideas, though. But okay. we can get to that in another episode. I'm going to forget it by then, so don't hold I'll, me to it. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what else? What else have we got? I think we got a lot for the humans in terms of... What's it called? 
in terms of the orcs not in terms of like most of the rest of the world that's true specifically now that we've established how humans sort of got around what does the azure isle and its importance look like Mm. i think the pushing of humans out to the azure isles by the dwarves had to be fairly amicable because they ended up allied against the elves well or it could yeah, not history I, I guess is they weird. don't need to have necessarily been pushed or at least not by the dwarves because the things that were there before the dwarves migrated there were minotaurs we minotaurs some gnomlings gnomlings yeah stuff like that the dragon but, oh maybe the humans actually they were feared there. the dragon they feared the dragon and were like i'm so out of Fuck out of there. They left of their own accord. They were there before yeah. the dwarves. That would explain a lot, actually, because I think we said one of its um, runaway storms hit the Israels, and then Xander Hamilton was like, "All right, you know what? Fuck this, Fuck this dragon." They've always had contentious issues, contentions yeah. with the dragons, particularly because the dragons yeah. decimate the human populations. Oh, drastically! Every time they flap their wings, a human population dies. That's what it says. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the uh, old adage is. I love it. I mean, <laughs> obviously not exactly, but yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a brilliant conflict there. Like, yeah. So they don't also have to have conflict with the dwarves. They weren't pushed away. Yeah. They came back. They were like, "Oh shit, you guys! You guys killed them? Hell yeah! Let's God, party." Can we come back? And the dwarves are like, "All right, you want to help us with these elves?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to mine? And they're like, "Ooh, we have some cousins who hate the elves." And from there, they kind of, again, allied with the dwarves and worked with them after, the, you know, the fring of the pillars helped create the accountancy. What is the island actually like? We didn't answer that. It's just dwarves pushed them there, but not really. But also the dragon kind of, but not really. So we said it's tropical, kind of. It is tropical. Sure. Yeah. So very, like, diverse. There's lots of peaches. No way we did that. We did that bit. Hmm. lots of bananas coconuts i don't know <gasps> there's coconuts overgrown everywhere coconut they curse. call it they call it nutberg <laughs> no. so the Zur isles is an archipelago um off the coast of the kind of the the kind of temperate coast of of the dwarven continent um where the pillars are located um warm tropical kind of light sailing like the waters aren't too deep but they've got to deal with like contend with coral reefs very very nice. sea-based economy so fish um that sort of thing like for food. fish 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 um, based fish based yeah in regards Actually, to like, don't have money <laughs> they trade fish back and forth to each other fish-based economy i mean they're fairly by now they're fairly well established because they've had a lot of influence from all kinds of different factors. Yeah. I like to think they're a very contemporary island nation. You've joked about it being a resort, but is this a place where rich, wealthy dwarves like to go on vacation? Okay, so if it's a chain of islands, I think we have to relegate one of them to just being like a tourist, getaway a resort tourist trap. or location. Yeah. So one of them is a tourist trap. Yeah. One of them is fully just an island designed to take rich people's money. Yeah, it's just literally like it's very accessible. Like it's easy to get there via via boat. Like people go down there. Um, it's different, but not different enough 
for like yeah. snooty people to be like oh well i don't like the food it's different you know what i mean like they serve a lot of it's again it's like peachton has that dwarven restaurant yeah there's one there as well there's, there's definitely one there. it's like a nicer version of what they do though yeah yeah fancier version but yeah. there's like a fancy dwarf restaurant there and that brings in a lot of commerce like it really does i like that but the rest of the islands are more settled established kind of yes towns and villages maybe no major cities but certainly port towns oh definitely like a a very useful like stopping point for traveling vessels i'm thinking like 1700s caribbeans with less slavery yeah that makes sense yeah like less plantation nonsense no slavery sort of thing yeah definitely no slavery i don't like that yeah screw now them. here's here's okay Hmm. follow me down this road okay there are there are two islands close enough together mm-hmm. to where their adjacent shores create one town or one port town okay i love that so like there's like a little run through that ships can pass through and like stop and you know um, if they've been on a long voyage they can sort of like stop in that area for like a few days adore this absolutely adore this but it's very big addition yeah like it's a big town these mm-hmm. islands are two crescent islands that kind of come to this the points are near each other yes. can there be in the center of that watery cut where like ships can cross through there's a tall rocky outcropping that has a big lighthouse on it and that you can like the town is on either side of that sort of thing and then you can like harbor good. and dock like out in the this. sea it has a light yeah lighthouse? like sitting on an island like, yeah i like that yeah but it's like it's barely like like there's the two points and it's easy to get across via like even like rowboat between yeah. and it's their position north and south so it's north northton and southton <laughs> why no, <laughs> i'm not gonna name them northton and southton <laughs> but you know what i mean like north whatever and south whatever we call it yeah okay love that that's beautiful i like it i also really like you know like in vietnam there are those like floating townships that are just a series of platforms so there are portions of vietnam these beautifully aesthetic tall rising islands that just jut straight out of the water yeah. But they're very like they're very pretty, but they're very difficult to live on. A lot of the population in those spaces have literally strapped platforms together and built villages and towns on top of them. Well, that's the area in between the two isles is a that's lot like that. that. Yeah. There's like these spider web docks yeah. that jut out from either aisle that sort of go towards each other. Okay. And I was picturing some sort of construction where they actually do connect these dock portions but if a ship comes through they have like a release lever that lowers the bridge down under the water beneath the ship so they could pass over them okay i love it and it's almost like a drawbridge i that's perfect adore it the platform housing sort of thing yeah perfect. and there's like a system like of people who work like okay you got a ship coming they raise theirs as the yeah. other one lowers behind it and the reason that this is still like Rather than just sailing around it, the reason this is so popular is because it's protected by coral reefs. So the water mm-hmm. here, despite being in the sea, 
is very gentile gentle where the harbor is like it's It's gentile gentile and that's (laughs) also why you can build these sort of housing platforms because yes despite being saltwater it doesn't have the sort of rough surface that even most protected shores have like it is crystal clear year-round pristine Mm -hmm. water that is very flat despite being salt water and you can see straight down into the depths Uh, and this reef you know is a ways out uh and it's tricky to navigate which also makes it defensible like oh yes yes yes. yeah only human merchants who have traveled through have been given the secrets to get through the reef to get into yeah and not only that it's very well protected by the naval forces nearby yeah yeah for sure because it's a big commercial hub as well. It's like a very important spot for people at sea. Like no one at sea would ever be like, oh, let's go attack that place. Yeah. You'd have to have a very specific reason to attack this place because otherwise you'd be giving up a very useful resource. It's perfect. And you see yeah. when you go there, like, again, it's this beautiful tropical reef. And as you kind of cut through and make your way in, there are so many different ships. You've got like oh, the yeah. orcish long ships. You've got galleons. You've got elven cutters. You've got these strange vessels that the Minotaur like to use that are these weird like arcing things. You've got yeah. tiefling, um, tiefling vessels, like all kinds of glass ships. ships. <laughs> yeah, glass ships. Like just everyone comes to this port. It's like a less piratey Tortuga. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly diverse. And the population there is very diverse as well. Yes. Um, like historically human, but you wouldn't be able to tell. Historically human natively, but literally yeah. everyone comes and goes there so often it's hard to tell. Beautiful. Love yeah. that. So aesthetic. I love that. And there is uh, a single island that makes up this chain mm-hmm. that is referred to as the uh shifting dune okay tell me more about the shifting it's dune. a dragon turtle shell okay I love that, that has been caked with sand okay because it stays surface there for so long that it just sort of has this like sediment yeah. that settles on it to make it look like a sandy dune in the water yeah uh so it literally looks like an island like there's a tree or two growing out of it like a palm tree sticking out of it or something like that love it and it's only the natives really know that it's there because this thing moves around it's a, a bit. pretty good deter- deterrent for people to attack as well as the coral reefs mm, gotcha and this turtle knows those reefs even better than the humans like oh it yeah, yeah. Like navigates through slowly and the humans are like yo yeah. what up turtle they don't mess with it they don't mess with it. It doesn't mess with the natives. Yeah. They might, you know, occasionally poke around at one of the ships coming in and be like, hey, what's up with you? Yeah. You cool? You good? But for the most part, people don't genuinely see it uh, active. Mm-hmm. They just occasionally see this this island that was on the horizon not there for a while. And then it reappears like hours later. It's like, the fuck is happening over there? Tides must have done that. Yeah. But it doesn't a mirage or something. So we've definitely established their economy. Politics-wise, they've got heavily dwarf... I mean, they've got influences from all over the world. What is this? They're a it tourist is a and mercantile-controlled neutral location. Does that make sense? Yes. Like there's there's dwarven political influence there. Mm-hmm. But there is But they they don't turn anyone away. 
Okay. Or at least the people in charge aren't going to turn someone away. Like the doors might not be like, hey, don't let any of those Elf Kingdom guys here. But they're like, eh. eh. Trade they can trade. say what they want. Yeah, you can stay here for a few nights. No one's going to give you too much shit. I really like the idea of their, they have their own political system that is very much, they're like, sure, the accountancy is kind of neat, but it's far less structured and it's just like a merchant's guild basically mm-hmm. makes most of the political decisions surrounding it. It's more of a like, it's a guild of various merchant groups that are like, this is what needs to happen in order for our commerce to work. Yeah. But they understand that it's not entirely mercantile because there is this whole tourism element, right? Like, yes, it's not just shipping and receiving that makes this place tick. Uh, oh no, 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 not and at they all. understand that there's kind of a balance there. But it's it's basically the like a kind of House of Lords esque Parliament established by like wealthy merchants, kind of marrying yeah. the tiefling format with the dwarven format. I do like that sort of like a, again, we keep going back to parts of the Caribbean-esque themes Yeah. of like it being merchants and not pirates. Yeah. I like that. It makes sense. Like the, the governing body is kind of a council. They're like, yeah. oh, the tieflings got something here, but money's really important to us. So we'll make sure the merchants are. Uh... And because it's a lot of merchants, it's a great place to like, again, stop for the night restock your ship full of you know water food taxes are reasonable new crewmates if you lose people along the way like it's a great great resource to know about on the on the sea yeah yeah it's huge and that's what's made it so big and they know that and that's why it's so successful so we've got a pit stop we've got a commerce we've got an economy we've got a culture we've got politics we've got some islands to find we've got the main capital essentially yeah, we've also got other islands. <laughs> yeah, and there's all there's like there's these villages and towns spotted all across. Mm-hmm. Most travel is done by water. That's pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Is there anything else you want to add? Hmm. No, I think that place is pretty cool. Okay. Well, I love it as always. Really I good. love everything. Yeah. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we, yeah, do we're we all perfect. move on to part two of our episode, my friend? There's a second part. Surprise! What? Guys, part two is where we answer your most pressing questions, or try our best to. Sometimes we don't have all the answers, but we really, really try. And we have Hush another amazing question. It's a big one. It's another big one, Sean. Are you ready for this? Is it? Is it going to you know, destroy my, my mind and, and render me asunder? Well, let's find out. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't given a guarantee. Oh, no. This comes from Brayden. And Brayden asks, okay. when you have a campaign that leans far into heavy themes, death, oh, no. revenge, moral ambigu- ambiguity, difficult decisions, etc. In my experience as a player, DM, and a viewer, it can get draining without some lighthearted moments. These don't always come naturally or easily. How do you, as DMs or players, like to bring these lighter moments to the table? Or, in the opposite direction, how do you like to bring heavier, more emotional moments to a lighter campaign? Brayden. That is a big question. That's a big question. It's a good question, too. Thank you, Brayden. That's a very good question. But it's also a big question. This is something I always struggle with, this balance. It's very tricky. 
it's it's something that dms have to work at constantly but it's your npcs and your players tend to bring the levity that's that's the best opportunity for it for me i've tend to see it's not even that it's more situations bring levity rather than any individual characters because mm, i mean you as the npc can do something accidentally hilarious to the party or vice versa like they can do something that just makes them laugh for hours on accident um, yes genuine comedy in D settings is usually on accident like the funniest moments are almost always on accident um or at least the ones i remember i i mean most of the way i run my game is not heavy at all it's actually very comedic and lighthearted the way i tend to have my games run so maybe i'm not the best person to talk to about how to deal with the heavier themes because mine's mostly the lighthearted fun side and it's occasionally that it'll dip down into a darker moment or two but and i mean there are there i guess there are tactics i still stand by the like like an np you can bring those or sean's organic moments happen 100 like that is the best way to do it but those organic well, moments right. happen through characters and npcs that don't take themselves and the world too seriously while still respecting its fidelity yes so i a lot i of that also is to do... throw ridic- ridiculous things yeah. that i make up in there to get laughs yeah but that's not necessarily going to work 100 percent of the time right yeah well and, and and again i'm saying like it's a balance of the player's whether through actions or whatever and the NPCs respecting the fidelity of the world at the same time as, um, as enjoying it and just having a good time and knowing where to banter that can manifest outside of the game too. Like we have jokes that are us players throwing things at each other as well. It's just having fun. Um, so you have to be able to walk the line between enjoying yourself, goofing around and then, narrowing in to take something seriously because i think it can go the polar opposite direction as well where players are too busy screwing around and having a laugh and they ignore something important and so there are ways to manage that either way through tonation of the voice as a dungeon master my tone will change depending upon the tone i want the table to kind of take and sometimes that's picked up on sometimes it's not um musical changes are amazing ways to manage the tone of a campaign you have no idea how quickly you can go from goofy laughs to sad by changing a track from something that is just kind of lighthearted or kind of regular ambiance to this more sad tone and as you watch your players adding in a direction you can shift the music to go along with that and they will fall deeper into that um so musical changes are a good way to do it um I think probably... it, it's harder to take them out of a dark moment with music, though. It can yes. help, but there's not like yes. funny music. Dark or moments, music. once you're entrenched in that, sometimes you're entrenched in that for a while. Yeah. Uh, and there's no pulling out of that. And that can be really tricky. Yeah. Um, I think off, ta- off camera or out of table conversations are also important with the dark moments to be like, okay, this happened. Like, how are we doing? Do we need to readjust? Um, yeah. You know, like, you can sometimes go to go serious on something and realize that that was a bad shout and dial it back. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's, a, it's a also, of, I'm yeah, sorry, sorry, go for it, Josh. It's just a lot of turning the knob left or right. 
and knowing when to turn the knob at all. Yeah. That's another thing that's very important. Because you you can't have these dark moments and then immediately shift to something light all mm-hmm. the time. Sometimes they have to stay dark for a little bit longer than, you know, is super enjoyable. But that's how things are sometimes. Sometimes things are dark for a while. But making them light at the right time is just as important as making them right in the first place. Yeah. Making it light in the first place. I think one of the other things that really will help a player in a DM is understanding there is not a single dungeon master and a single player that does not self-insert into a character in some way. <gasps> it is it is I this is my hot take. People who say once. people who I've say never once been my own character. You're a liar. Uh, Fuck you. I witnessed it. <gasps> people take their characters they enjoy their characters they love their characters they love things about their characters even if they're not self-inserting themselves there are things that are important to that character's fidelity they are enjoying their campaign and they're enjoying their character there are parts of that character that are important to them and so things that happen to those characters will impact those people those players emotionally there is not a single person i will die on this hill that You're does gonna not fuck, I'm gonna kill you on that hill. <laughs> their character seriously to some extent. And thus, every person is affected to some extent by things that happen to their characters, positive and negative. Any person who tells you that they are not affected by the character is lying to you. Or things that have happened to their character. They're not. They're not being honest with themselves. They're not being honest with you. I will die on this hill. What you've just heard is a lie from a liar man who's never never seen me play a character before. It's completely true. I've <laughs> my most emotionally intelligent genius friends and I have several of them still what? take their baggage with them. You got more friends than me? Hold on, we might need to pause this podcast. There's two. <laughs> <gasps> I'll kill you. Forget the whole other bullshit hot take you just had. I'll kill you for the other friend. That's 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 my hot take. And it's 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 a hundred percent true. I'm not saying some people do it to greater extremes than others. I'm just saying that things that happen in campaigns impact people, both meta and and non-meta impact the players, and they will compartmentalize that but they will also let it impact them a little bit. And that will alter how they approach the table for better or for worse. Every okay. single player. Even war gamers. <laughs> I've watched war gamers do it. Interesting. Human beings have emotions, man. I don't think they do. But that is my cold heart telling me that. My cold machine-like body. You know you're wrong. I can I'm see it on machine. your face. You're just devil's advocating me. <laughs> no 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 this is my real feels how i really truly feel about it yes of course josh is right people insert themselves and then they get hurt because they feel like they're personally being attacked subconsciously they feel that way but it's not intentional or malicious these these are good it means you're a human being but it does make those dark moments a little bit darker without you as the dm knowing why they're that heavy hitting is because your players are seeing their character, who they view as themselves, being attacked, so they think you're attacking them personally. Yeah. So it's like, oh well, what are you, what are you, 
Why do you hate me so much? It's like, whoa, what are you talking? I didn't do anything to you. I attacked your character. A lot of the time they don't, they don't even like, they don't blame a person or put it on the DM or anything like that, but that doesn't change the feelings that they have, right? Like if, if there's a feeling of frustration about an event or their character is feeling like, well, I don't know what to do with this freaking moment. They feel that as well to an extent. And that's again, I've, I've DM'd a lot of people and that is a normal thing. Like it took me a long time to realize it. Uh, and I will personally as a DM internalize those things and blame them on myself, but that's also not true. It is something you work through as a group. And I'm really good at giving this advice and really bad at practicing it, but it, it is like, it's your fault. <laughs> it <laughs> it is, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not good to say. It is something you, you people are people. So you have to kind of navigate that. And People these do. characters are, and these worlds, same with Dungeon Masters, these worlds are important and these characters are important to these people. So yeah. when those moments happen, they impact the players, not just but the character. Levity. We're looking for lighthearted reasons to get out of that stuff. So what I think, okay, it always, surefire way works 100% of the time. It doesn't matter how out of the blue or ridiculously random it is. Just a wacky NPC. Just someone wacky they can look NPC. at and go, that guy's fucking weird. I love it. NPCs are such... Works 100% of the time. Or they're cute They're so animal. powerful. Yeah. Cute animal. Cute animals work 100% of the time, guaranteed. Somebody making a fool of themselves. Like, yeah. they're excellent. A moment becoming soft. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. players have this, as will often... A lot of good players will also be like they'll sense the moment and they'll look at a way to kind of, you know, like somebody will come and sit down and have a heart to heart and then heart to heart will help as well. Like it can yes, really, sometimes it's solved by the players themselves, which yeah. is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Let's work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> uh, Sean's also a big fan of fart jokes. Huge fan of those. Oh man. Cops. If you throw in a couple of, a couple of poofers, I love them. Yeah. That's what I call, I call farts poofers. I think Sean and I are, are polar opposite sides of the coin on levity as opposed to like dark subject matter. Where oh yeah, hundred percent. We dip across. But... Well, if you wanted to watch both Conundrum Company and Off the Rails, and then tell us how you feel about our DMing styles and how different they are, see for yourselves. I, um, I do like dark, sad motifs. I you do hundred percent like dark <laughs> moments and sad motifs and like grim dark. I also play like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, Brothos, not really. Brothos, not so much. Brothos is out of the order. Brothos seems pretty levity, but that's because you know how I run games. Yeah, yeah, I knew there was. You a know, I'm a big fit. dingus. You are not. Your your worlds are beautifully. I'm a big chungus. Your worlds are beautifully real and sad and impactful at the same time as maintaining that levity. You, it's not like you don't aren't able to do those things you do a no, wonderful job no 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 so the world as a whole should always be both yes. it should be dark and light across all parts of your world yeah what you show to the players though that is your dming style yes so you you when we go to a place you're like this place is kind of gross you see like this everything's not really well taken care of or yeah. oh this place is is pretty well built the architecture's like this and all this stuff and I'm just like, ah, this guy's he's, he's doing poop stuff. He's doing a poop. He's doing a poop right on the street. Ah! <laughs> they're like, oh, hey, here's a fucking insane person. You're doing yourself like, a disservice. You're cut. Your well, no, but I, I, I'm I get the making metaphor. 
a joke about the way I do things, but it's 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 yeah. genuinely the way I intend to do them is make it more of a fun, lighthearted romp that yeah. occasionally breaks out into uh, sad moments that test people. Which I think Whereas, is not to say that, you know, like Conundrum Company, again, yours, yeah. I lean Your into... Your campaign doesn't do that either. Yeah, we have goofy fun times. It's just... You're also further along than we are. Yeah, that's true. Like, we've had so many moments that are, are goofy, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of where it sits. Like, if here's the happy medium. Conundrum Company kind of sits slightly on the... on the. I'm doing a scale that so you guys can't see So he's holding right two now. hands like the hands of a clock. Yes. And when he says... The happy medium. He's going askew to show that his show is a little bit darker than mine. Yes, and his is a little bit lighter than mine. And we sit off to the side. Yes, he's holded up his hands again and, and did them in different directions. Yeah, I'm real. I'm real good <laughs> at podcasts. You're being real visual today. <laughs> lots of hand gestures. Now I'm sort of over here. Yeah. And then this comes in and does this. I'd like you all you to look it? at this graph. Get what uh, I'm saying? It explains I've... my point perfectly. We're not going to talk about it. Just look at the graph. Yeah. Good. This is a sad face. Got it. This is a happy face. Uh, don't explain it to them. They just need to look at the graph. Got it? Cool. Let's oh, yeah. Move on. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> For some reason, I didn't think you guys could see the graph. Yeah. That's my bad. Silly man. It's a Venn diagram of two smiley faces. <laughs> They're both just smiling. Oh, my God. That was... It's it's tricky, I think, is, is the gist of it. And it's entirely tricky. based on your table. Um, but... I have music, NPCs, that yeah. sort of thing. We'll There's a lot of variables yeah. that determine how long it takes to get out of those moments and how draining it will be for everyone involved. If you have an audience, that's an added uh an added thing you have to think about. Because if you know, you guys are having fun, but your audience is like, This is fucking depressing or just dark, yeah. then you know, I, I I don't know what to say about that because as long as you're enjoying it, the enjoyment should come through and your audience should yeah. feel that. Um, they should only really have a problem if you guys start having a problem with it. Yeah. And, you know, you guys start feeling like you don't want to play because everything's just too much. Yeah, which is a problem. It's like, gross. I think giving your party a break as well is another, like, give them... It, I don't mean that Give it has to be like two weeks of them standing around and chatting. Give them an easy encounter. Give them something that they're going to be able to make fun of and kick mm -hmm. the snot out of. Like, you know what I mean? You can plan your sessions too to be like, okay, if this is a heavy one and it's going to be heavy likely, let's, let's maybe the next two sessions are kind of chill. You know what I mean? Don't drop any yep. more crap on them. But you also can't always plan for the sad no but you can yeah 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 it, the it's usually the easiest encounters own. that kill your party but you, know, you like, can respond to the sad as well you can adjust you can your story like even if you don't know the sad is coming to a degree you can go okay well you know what something terrible just happened sometimes you're locked in i've yeah that's happened with conundrum company where something really sad happens and we just got to commit to it right yeah, we got three sessions like of this stuff off the wall yeah yeah <laughs> episode two we never got over it shut up <laughs> but but like uh you know what i mean like you can still there are there are times like that but there are also times when you can be like okay didn't see this coming but let's pivot mm -hmm. pivot make it a little easier man thank you brayden for that amazing question 
That was a good question. That was a really good question. Really got deep into who we are as people. Oh, cut straight to our, our hearts, our souls. Hey, uh, you know, if other people wanted to ask questions, Sean, where would they send those questions? I don't know, Josh. Where would they send those questions? Well, they'd send those questions to lorddumpquestions at gmail.com or they would send them to us on social media at the Lord Dump on Instagram and Twitter. They can reach out to us there. They can also find our content, our podcast, on all the places you find podcasts like Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or most recently, the Welcome In's YouTube channel. That's right. At the Welcome In hey. on YouTube has all of our podcasts uh, coming up for you to listen to. If uh, you wanted to see our faces as we record the show, too damn bad. We don't record our faces when we do this show. It's just an image sitting there, staring you back. That would make my hand gestures so much more effective. You can see that graph. <laughs> yeah. It is a beautiful graph. It's a really, I did a great job. Thank you. Lots of clip art. Uh, and we, <laughs> finally, if you want to see our other content, you can check out twitch.tv slash the welcome in. Sean DMs a show there. I DM a show there. There's all kinds of cool content there. It's it's a great place. There's lots of good people there. Lots of good people. Yeah. that's. I did it. I, did I do it right, Sean? You did it right. And I was testing you and you passed. <gasps> this was a test? I'm still furious. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's something I have to deal with. Sean. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that remember, sounds like an internal problem I remember have people with. have emotions that's my hot take don't forget it I don't think it. they do ba doop do do ba doop do nobody has emotions and he's angry give him a hug and it'll be so much better what? I don't know that was the noise that came out of me and I apologize don't look I'm gonna take that moment that noise you made and I'm gonna replicate it about 50 times at the end of this episode. If you actually so do it, I will applaud everyone you. Everyone heard what you did just then. That's so much effort. I, If you do, I applaud you. Thank you. It's we need nice to do to a session where I edit it and I do terrible things to you. Fuck that. I will never <laughs> let go of this power. This is mine. Oh We're still going, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. Still. Yeah. I haven't stopped. Yep. No. Same. I just saw you look at the stop button because you're going to click on it soon. I'm, I'm looking I just at saw it. you. I watched your face. I took my eyes off the graph for a second. Yeah, were you, and I saw were you click looking, stop. Why are you always looking at my face, Sean? I don't know. Did you want to show me your ass? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> are we doing another outro? <laughs> no. some lore in this house there's some lore in this house there's some lore in this house <laughs> oh i'm fucking dumb Arr.